We're the Flyover Yogis, a group of Midwest friends sharing practical, everyday approaches to yoga, wellness, lifestyle, and everything in between as we live through them ourselves, yoga on and off the mat. We are Lindsay, Gina, Jordan, and Megan. We work to create authenticity in everything we do. And we're sharing our experiences with others to inspire mindful living, no matter your home state. Maybe I know not this Damn it. Starting. Scrap it all. Right now. <laughs> well, it is a beautiful day in Wichita, Kansas. How warm is it? Like in the 80s, maybe, today? I feel like we're doing like the It's hotter than loose. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> it's hot. It's beautiful. Oh, it's actually 74. It does not. That's a lie. <laughs> it was 74 outside. It's gorgeous. Hotter, Today. It feels so much hotter than that. Yeah. Um, I Our took my fourth block outside. Um, they're juniors. And we're having um, a discussion over the Great Gatsby chapters one through three. And we were going to have it inside. But my room is a freaking ice box and I just couldn't I couldn't do it anymore and so uh they took their vocab test we went outside and uh we had a discussion just laying in the sun like cats and it was amazing D. I and you know I told Gina earlier this could have gone one of two ways uh they could have just been like squirrels outside um or they could have paid attention when they and they did pay attention and so then we had like 10 minutes left over after uh, we did a little activity, and so they wanted to learn some yoga, and so some of them participated in the yoga challenge um, that we've been hosting on Instagram, and um, which will be over by the time you listen. To yeah, this. yeah, unfortunately, but we'll we, have another one. We don't, will. Don't yes. So the pose of the day was eagle, and so they learned eagle, and then we played around. They learned some handstands and stuff, and then I learned that a couple of my kids can do backflips. So they showed me that, and what? I was scared. Nice. I was like, should I like have insurance on hand right now? And please right. do not sue me. <laughs> They're going to be like, what are you learning in your English class? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's, your bicep looks massive. My bicep? Yes. You know, one of my like, kids... Like, look at it. One of my kids told me today, he was like, I feel like you could kill me. And I've never thought that about an English teacher before. <laughs> oh. And I was like, he's like, your biceps are bigger than mine. I was like, I just have, I have broad arms and bro- I'm a broad shouldered person. I was like, they're probably really broad not that big. And he was, he, I'm was a broad shouldered broad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was just like, no. He was like, I really think you might, like, you could take me. And I was like, weird. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's anyway. Weird. I think that's something yeah. that I was so shocked about like not when I started yoga because let's be honest I was a limp noodle when I started yoga (laughs) but like once I really got into it I like seeing my arms grow and like Mm -hmm. my back grow and it wasn't Mm -hmm. even like me Bryce would be like like shoulder yeah like Mm -hmm. you're getting definition in your shoulders and in your back and I'd be like I can't see it where's my right yeah yeah, I was like so surprised because I've always struggled with upper body strength and like I've never had biceps like literal limp noodles Mm -hmm. and I have like a baby bicep now and I'm adoring that little guy he's just right next to my boob all day long adoring me (laughs) and I really struggle with my like my arm size anyway um I mentioned in my or I think it was my about me episode whatever whichever one we did earlier um that I went through a really dramatic weight loss and actually like my arms were by far probably like the most disproportionate of my whole body like it was they were really big I mean and so um and I you know like I'm really bad about negative self-talk and so um but they were so like I still look at my arms and like the side in the mirror and I'm just like oh I can kind of see this down over and I'm just I'm so bad about it you guys and I just that's something I know I struggle with it so much and uh Gina was telling me uh she was like how how much do you talk negatively about yourself and uh what did you say about plants so they've done a bunch of research where they have these plants like actual scientists, not us. Actual scientists. <laughs> <laughs> research. I am an actual yeah, scientist. Yeah. An actual scientist. <laughs> I'm an actual, not even close to scientist, right? Yeah. But they basically had this greenhouse and they would go up and be like, I love you. You're so beautiful today. You are so pretty. Look at you grow. You were just growing so nice and tall. And they would talk in like this very positive, lighthearted voice to these plants and they would be like I hate you you're not green why are you here like I'm gonna throw you away you're awful why aren't you growing quicker I hate you like they would just talk this very negative speech to these other plants and so they put them under the microscope and these plants you could literally see the ones who've been talked positively to because they were like 
I don't know if you've ever seen sales under a microscope. Is this they real? Look like, yes, it's real. They look like happy sales. <laughs> it just looks so happy. Like they were vibrant and they were like all spread out and they just like looked healthy versus like these they negative were ones. Posing. Yeah. The negative plants looked like they were shriveled and they were like broken and they just didn't. I mean, I know nothing about plant cells or anything, but they just didn't look great. And so there's this saying that's been floating around that if talking positively to plants helps them grow imagine what talking positively about yourself does we're pretty complex beings but we're not that different from plants so yeah i mean you know biology biology Mm -hmm. we're basically cucumbers with anxiety so i mean here's the deal i don't think it could hurt you know what i mean like is it going to make it worse if i tell myself well and in yoga we talk so much about mindset of don't having the mindset of you know, judging yourself versus the person on the mat of you. Don't have the mindset of going in and being like, oh, I can't do all these poses, so I'm not a yogi. We always talk about dismaying those all, throwing all those negative mindsets to the wayside and coming in and dropping your ego. And it's really easy to, like, preach that as a yoga instructor, but the practicality portion of it and actually applying it is difficult to drop your ego and to get into that positive mindset. And I don't think we always have to be in a positive mindset. You're going to have shit days. I had a shit week. Listen, but at the end of the week, I'm still like, I have a pretty good life, so I probably shouldn't bitch that much about it. And so it's always just trying to find the positive. The negative is always going to be there. I mean, we're the yin and the yang. We're the good and the bad. It's equal in all of us. It's what we choose. You can be the dark side or you can be the light side. But even if you are that light side, there's still that teeny tiny little dot of dark. So you just have to, you know, overpower it. So um, 100% agree with all that. However, it's also definitely a practice. So mm-hmm. while it is a choice, it's also... A continual choice. Yeah, you you're not going to be perfect day. at it from the very yeah. beginning. You're never going to be perfect at it, actually. It's consistently choosing that lifestyle and right. choosing it every single day and waking up. And, you know, even if you have a really shit morning, by the end of the day, maybe listing all the things you're grateful for. I had my yogis do that in a class the other day. I was like, we're going to start in child's pose, get there however you want. And I want you, when you're comfortable, to start letting go of that list of everything you're running through your head because we're 5 a.m. in the morning so in my head I'm like I have to get Alice snacks today she ran out of Fruit Loops I need to do this I at have 5 a.m. I'm thinking I need to go yeah. back to sleep yeah <laughs> you know but I have that I'm that person that in the morning or when I does start, Jimmy's egg open right yeah. I start thinking about okay what's my list for today I need to take the dog to get groomed I need to pay our electricity bill I need to run by the store and pick up this I need to do this I need to respond to this message and I told them acknowledge all of that let it go, and then start listing everything you're grateful for. And literally all of them shifted a little bit Mm. in their child's pose because we're kind of taught from a very young age that, and I think it's not so much that we're taught, it's really easy to look at the negative and be like, oh, woe is me, I'm the victim, my life is horrible, I have no control. I mean, it's really easy to do that. And it's, it's also a very easy thing on the other side of that to shift your mindset and be like, I'm not going to play victim of the situation. I do have control over my life and I don't have control over the situations that maybe are presented to me or that happened to me, but I do have the control over how I respond to them. Yeah. Well, and I think like uh, playing the victim is also like such a common thing in mm-hmm. the world today. Like so many people do that. So it's almost become a way that people relate to each other. Like, it's a way that people, like, come into work, oh, I wish it was Friday, oh, me too, too, like, oh, this week sucks, and, like, it's almost like you're, like, it's like, oh, like, we're, like, I'm (laughs) saying That was my cat. Say hello to Millie. (laughs) Hi, Millie. Our executive producer. (laughs) But, like, it's almost how, like, people connect with each other, it's, like, by connecting with those, like, oh, things we, like, are shit list. It's, like, connecting over a shit list. Yes. It's such a, a... we like, like a to gross have, thing to connect yeah, over. Session. It is a gross yeah. thing to connect over. I do it. I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's okay. So that's really cool that you brought that up. So when I was in, I was in a previous job and it was physically making me ill. Like it was a very, very not good place to work. And it was definitely that corporate situation where everyone was just like always complaining about their job. Not, and like, it was just, I, it was such a toxic, toxic environment, but it was like something really small, but I always hated how, like, I would ask someone how they're doing, like, oh, it's Monday. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a fucking answer. <laughs> like, you're what telling me the Monday day of the week. ever done to what, you? Exactly. It's just, I really, really struggled with that because it's like, okay, yes, it is Monday, but how are you doing? And so that also 
could go on a whole nother tangent about like keeping it surface level. So when you're mm-hmm. like having like genuine like conversations mm-hmm. with people, you're going beneath like just the, how are you doing? Oh, good. How are you? I'm good. Okay. See you later. You know, actually yes. like having connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your workplace, I know we're supposed to be like professional or whatever. Um, I but think that is I complete think, bullshit. Though. Thank you. Yes. I think it's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, I should rephrase that. You're, that's what we're expected to think we should do. Yeah. You're expected to have that conversation. But it's not working for anyone. So why don't mm-hmm. we flip it and just get out of that mindset so we can actually make connections with people that we work with, that we see wherever we are, <coughs> yeah. store, church, yeah, whatever it is you do. Yeah. Because people, when you do ask, how are you doing? I think it's almost like someone asks you that they don't expect you to be real about it and I know you know that's I'm not this is not a revelation to anybody but um while you're talking about this I'm thinking of the scene in Mean Girls where they're all in front of the mirror and she's like oh my pores are so huge and she's like my nail beds suck and she's like (laughs) what about what about you Katie and Katie's like um I don't know really have bad breath in the morning and they kind of look at her expecting more than that like they we expect they want her to pick herself apart self-talk yeah yeah Yeah. so and I wonder if that is that a thing that women struggle with I mean do I wonder if I wonder if men go through that same thing yes I've literally had this conversation with Bryce where Bryce comes from a military background. He was in the military. His dad was in the military. His grandfather was in the military. His brother went through basic training. I mean, every male in their family is expected to be a man's man. Mm -hmm. They're expected to be strong. They're expected to be strong-willed. They're expected to hunt and fish and those type of things. And I love to do those things too. And I'm not a man's man. I mean, like, (laughs) I'm just, I'm not. It's just one of those things where I think as women, and we are four women, that, like, my brother is 17. Sorry, it took me way too long to think of that. (laughs) He's 17, and we had a discussion last summer, and he goes, in high school, it's hard because I'm trying to figure out where I fit in because I'm not smart enough to be a nerd, but I'm not, and this is, like, coming from my brother. He's like, I'm not smart enough to be a nerd, but I'm not, like, bulky enough to be a jock, and I don't play football, so I don't really hang in with the football players, but I'm not artsy enough to hang out with, like, the band people, and so it's, I don't know where I fit in, and that was a weird thing for him to tell me, and Mm. it's not, like, a weird thing for him to tell me. It was a weird thing for me to hear, because, I don't know, I was always in this little bubble that guys didn't worry about that type of stuff, and maybe it's just because I'm not a guy, But he was like, it's hard, you know, to figure out where you lie if you're not 100% like that nerd that gets a straight A's. And like, I have a couple C's. Can I not hang out with these people? And, you know, maybe I do need to start taking steroids like some of the football players do so I can fit in. And I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that with being a male, and of course, I'm only speaking from my opinion, because I do not have a penis, (laughs) just like my opinion of talking to my husband and talking to my brother and just guy friends that I have, they struggle a lot with the same things we have. Not so much of, oh, I have to have the skinny waist, and I have to have, you know, the big breasts, and I need to have Brazilian ass, but I need to have Spanish lips, but oh, I can't be too tan, but I can't be pale. And the beauty standards that I think are placed on women through the media are also placed on men. Well, why do you not have six-pack abs? Why are you not shaped like a triangle where your shoulders are bigger than your waist? Why do you not have hair that flips in the sun like a god? Why do you not look like Brad Pitt? And I think men struggle just as much as we do, but they've been socially conditioned that it's unacceptable as a man to talk about it. Yeah, that's totally true. We read, did you guys read Catcher in the Rye when you were in high school? I did not, actually. It was a banned Um, book, and I loved that I read it because I was a little uh, (laughs) rebel. What about, have you seen The Perks of Being a Wallflower? Yes. Okay. And I've read it. So, oh yeah, that's right, it is a book. So, um... We read Catcher in the Rye for sophomore um, pre-AP, and then part of the lesson plan that I do is we watch um, Perks of Being a Wallflower next to it and kind of do a discussion about how they're similar, different, da-da-da. And most of the discussion, because it's from Catcher in the Rye, is from the perspective of Holden Caulfield, who is um, a 
preparatory student um, and he basically is like really struggling with some sort of mental health like it it sounds like it's depression it's all from his narrative it's all from his point of view and he kind of just ends up sounding like an asshole for a long time because yeah, you he's think so he's negative yeah and then you realize oh my gosh, like he's actually struggling with depression and he has no one to talk to. Um, And it's set in um, like mid mid 20th century. So, you know, it's like just not, it's less modern, I guess, than present day. So anyway, uh, yeah, we talked, we talk about that. And I had a, a male student who was on really honest. I was kind of surprised. Um, he's always somebody who contributes to class discussion, but I just didn't expect it in that way. And he said something about like, he was like, I, I'm going to be honest. I struggle with depression. And he goes, we don't, we don't talk about it. And it's like, we're not allowed to talk about it. And I guess that, that really makes sense. I didn't know necessarily about the body image thing. I guess I can definitely see, you know, where do I fit in? What is my, uh, my, I guess for lack of a better word, click, yeah, click type or whatever. Um, do I fit in with the jocks? And side note, I really hate that like you have to be like being smart categorizes you somehow as a geek or like having good grades somehow categorizes you as a nerd or something. And I'm just like, ah, I just the high school labels to me, even though I teach high school, they just drive me crazy. And I know that they exist and I know that I don't even see them like I did as a high school student. But um, there was a teacher who called uh the science scholarship he was like we've just deemed this he was like we've deemed this the geek award and I was like that is such a like I just don't even want to go there like I don't I don't want to put a stigma on saying I'm interested in science or what's like the reason for putting the stigma on that does that mean that somebody who maybe is a football player who's just seen as the big football player isn't going to apply for that scholarship because he's not I honestly think it might after school to work on a science project I think I think it might put that stigma there for some people that you don't want to be seen as a hard worker um, when it comes to grades because it could put a label on you that isn't quote-unquote cool with your friends and again like I'm not in high school anymore um, and I didn't really focus on that when I was in high school but I know that those labels exist and so yeah it's frustrating so um all of this is I mean you're right like we can connect this to philosophy (laughs) so much just not it's just like being genuine being true to who you are um speaking your own truth uh somebody tell me the Sanskrit word for that because I just forgot Satya. True, Satya. Satya. I wasn't sure what word you were yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Yeah. Um, to speak your truth. And I think that's hard. That's so hard <laughs> for everybody. And I mean, I you know, I think I say everybody, but I say that thinking of myself. <laughs> so yeah. it's really interesting that you say speaking your truth because um, the whole reason we started recording this episode is because we're having like a little session. We're all kind of like down on certain parts of our body and um we're even though we're yoga teachers and we are all very self-aware we still struggle just like anyone else um because it is like we were talking about societal norms um pressure from today's marketing world like all of that stuff um is totally valid and so we still struggle with it um but and I totally just lost what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I was going to say that brings up a really good point, Jordan, to kind of tie it back into what you're saying and what oh, Lindsay's I remember. saying. <laughs> is do you think with those societal norms, I mean, there's the phrase that high school never ends. But I think that as an adult, you know, it's I would not agree phrase. with that phrase. Yeah, but I do all. think thinking of that phrase that as an adult, I've realized there's more labels placed on me as an adult, maybe, than what there was in high school just talking to like some of the friends that I knew from high school or some of the people I knew from college it's as an adult it isn't oh are you a geek are you a jock are you this it's are you successful yeah it's are you happy oh you're divorced already I mean it's just Mm -hmm. I think the expectations and labels go hand in hand and I feel like I don't know I'm gonna be 25 this year I'm gonna be a quarter of a century old it's not that old I'm still really young I don't consider myself old but I have some of those things that start creeping into my mind about what am I doing over the next five years? What have I accomplished since I graduated high school? What, you know, what am I doing now? Where am I going to be in five years? And I think that I place those expectations and sometimes I place those labels on myself as 
where do I label myself as successful? Where do I label myself as failing? And I think that even if other people don't place those labels on us, that we sometimes place those labels on ourselves. Okay, so I remember I was going to say, and it ties in actually to exactly what you're saying. So you're saying um, speaking your truth. And so when we're saying like, oh, I just don't feel good in my body. Like, why do my arms look so big? Like, why is my butt like not look good? All this stuff like, are you speaking your truth in that moment or what you expect? Like, say there, you never had any idea of what the quote unquote perfect body looks like. Mm-hmm. Because, again, that's all opinion. Mm-hmm. So there is no truth in that. Like, your body looks like your body. There is no true body image. No preconceived notions. Yes. How do you make yourself believe that? Like, that sounds... Excellent that question, sounds Megan. super, like, negative and, like, really, like, down-talky, I guess. But, like, I think about that. It's like, no, I can sit I love here and I can that. tell myself very logically. It's like, no, like, all of that is, like, like just societal norms it's like things that have just been like ingrained in my brain we're like tea and we've just been sitting in these like Mm -hmm. thoughts we've been steeping in this thought process of like not being good enough or not being skinny enough or not being any of these things our whole lives and and so I can sit here and like very logically be like oh of course like all that's ridiculous talk and then I can that same exact moment look at myself in the mirror and be like oh like, and, and I know that I just said, like, logically, like, no, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. and, like, feel good about you yourself and I love positive, my body. The positivity yeah. to your day-to-day life. Right. Yeah. And I would be absolutely lying if I sat here and was like, speak your truth, like, be true to yourself. All, all yogis or all yoga teachers or all philosophers of yoga, like, need to be honest and I, I strive for that. You know, like, I would be lying if I said that I did that every day and that, I like was completely honest with myself like Jordan is saying like are you are you being true to what you truly want or are you placing someone else's like maybe society's quote-unquote truth you know this like kind of perception of it on yourself and I'd be totally freaking lying if I said that I didn't do that like I I do it every single day those negative thoughts they creep in and they take over they take over. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There was a part when we were reading the yamas and the niyamas, which are the first two limbs by Deborah of, Adele. Yeah, by Deborah Adele, um, <laughs> which are the first the author? Uh, <laughs> uh, English teacher. Yeah, yeah. English. <laughs> uh, we read that book during our yoga teacher training because the yamas and the niyamas are the first two limbs of the eight limbs of yoga, which are the which is the yoga philosophy behind yoga, and. I found such as something that I struggled with, which I did not think I would struggle with. I consider myself a pretty truthful person. I mean, I don't consider myself a liar by any means, but it goes beyond are you saying the truth or are you lying mm-hmm. when we talk about Satya. And one of the things that really stuck out to me that she asked during that book was, are you the same person at work that you are at home? Are you the same person at home when you're by yourself as you are with your friends? Are you the same person when you're around your friends that you are around your family? Or do you change the way you talk, the way you act, the way you interact based on who's around you? And if you do, which we all do, are you really living your truth? And that blew my mind. (laughs) I want to just say also that I feel like I am most able to be honest like with myself and with other people like around you guys Aww. and I think that that is that's answering a question from podcast way back in the, like the about us podcast where we were like why us why together why the, these four people and I think that like realizing that and hearing you say that made me realize like I can be myself with you guys well and I think we've been so vulnerable with yeah. one another I mean I've told you guys things that I have not told a lot of people during yoga teacher training just because it felt like the right time to say it or it was just invoked or whatever it may be I've always felt very comfortable talking to each of you because you are so authentic and y'all know who you are like we've talked about before in previous podcasts so I feel like I have the available space to be who I truly am and you guys are going to accept that even if you don't agree with it which is I think a huge problem in society for instance I am very woo and if you don't know what woo is it's kind of like the occult alternative I <laughs> I have She's going crystal- to explain more about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I have crystals for chakra. I've been trained in Reiki. I am a yoga instructor. 
I use tarot cards to help me meditate. I set my crystals out in the full moon. I link my period or try to with the full moon cycle. I have all of these crazy things that people are like, <coughs> which uh, I'm I mean, not. Even essential oils, I yeah, think, essential can be oils. maybe considered a little woo. I do a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of quote unquote woo things that people maybe bat an eye at or like that's ridiculous that's not real that's not true and that's fine if it's not true for you but it is true for me and I feel like with some of my family I can't talk to them about that and it's not that I cannot literally speak about it to them it's not that it's the fact that I don't feel like I can speak my truth because I'm scared of judgment Mm. and by allowing that fear of judgment to creep in just like the rest of the negative thoughts I'm not 100% my true authentic self around some people. And I think I have a guard up because you say the word tarot and people are like, the devil's work. I mean, (laughs) it freaks people out because there's this misconception, like we're talking about with beauty and other things around the woo, that I think sometimes I let that judgment get into my head a little bit and I reserve myself. And I think by, you know, keeping a huge part of who I am away from people, I kind of space people out and I isolate myself in a way, which is what my tarot deck said yesterday, um, <laughs> that I do. I, I isolate <laughs> myself in a way and I I justify this isolation as independence. And I am a very independent person. I've always been an independent person. But I kind of wish wash that with the judgment of it's okay to isolate myself from people and be this loner because I'm Nirvana and people don't understand me and Mm -hmm. grunge. Um, But that's not always the truth. And, you know, by not allowing myself to fully live my truth, I am keeping a huge part of myself from people and that's doing a disservice to myself. Okay. I agree with all that. But what popped into my head was, <laughs> so Brene Brown, and I can't remember, uh, love I her, right? I can't remember if this is in Rising Strong or if this is in her newest one, but in the book, in one of the books. Braving the Wilderness, for anyone who hasn't read thank it. Thank you. I was Amazing. like, the one about belonging. What is the name? <laughs> Shit. I'm glad you remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's from Rising Strong, but she talks about how uh, you can be your authentic self and you can like live in your truth and everything. She talks about having a one-by-one-inch card. And we're having like just a really tiny space, and those are the people that you trust, and those are the people whose opinions matter, and those are the people who like all those things, and those are the people who deserve to hear like your whole truth and all of your truth, and you know that they'll be honest with you, but they'll also be loving with you, and they'll also accept you where you're at, and they'll also just like... Like, those are your people. Like, those are your tribe. She also talked about how like... Just because you don't necessarily share your deepest, darkest secrets with everyone, not everybody deserves to know. Not everybody deserves to have that, uh, <laughs> like, vulnerability from you because it does put you in a vulnerable place to where you can get hurt. And if you're just, like, to some, like, random guy on the street, you're like, oh, my God, my, like, just whatever, and you just pour your soul out, like, and he's going to be like... <laughs> the hell's wrong with you and then like you might feel like crush and that's an extreme example like i hope nobody actually actually does that really. <laughs> that's a really extreme example but we're like, gonna take it to the streets and find <laughs> out no we're not hard pass. <laughs> hard, hard no pass. hard no but she just talked about how it's like you can still be your authentic self without just like pouring your soul to every person you meet you meet it's finding that like protection of, like, your true self and protecting your values and protecting that vulnerability and understanding that people have to earn that and people have to, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's really important to say that not everyone deserves or has earned the chance to hear your whole truth. And I think that sometimes... In certain situations, you also maybe don't need to speak your whole truth, given the situation. You know? I don't know. So, speaking of Brene Brown, I think it's really awesome. One, because we all love her. Two, you need to pick up one of her books if you're oh listening. And we will three, do one for a book club. Yeah, we will don't do worry. one for a book club. Is that I think that's really important, how she talks about how not everyone deserves to hear your whole truth um, and hasn't maybe earned that right yet. And I think that we're really complicated beings and we have multiple layers and it's okay to not 
just shove a seven layer cake in somebody's face and be like, here, eat it. It's okay to start out with a cheesecake. That's okay. You know? And I think the flip side of that is that by not saying your truth to somebody, it doesn't mean that you're always reserving yourself and always denying a part of yourself. I have had to learn very recently that I don't always need to share my truth because I know, and this sounds so negative, I know what the response is going to be from certain people in my life and it's just going to warrant a very negative, I'm not even going to try to understand you because that's not my thought process and I don't agree with that and they're not understanding and it's okay to cut those people out of your life, one. And it's also okay to, you know, not speak your whole truth because those people have... I don't want to say earned the chance to not know the whole truth, but in some instances, if you know it's going to be a negative outcome, if you know you're struggling with something and you confide in somebody and they're just going to give you negative output, like, Jesus, Lindsay, your arms look better than mine. Why are you even talking about it? You know, that's just not going to help anything. And so I have people in my life that I have not cut out completely, but I've stopped talking to about certain situations and I don't think I mean that sounds super negative no, it totally makes sense but it's actually helped me a freaking ton mm-hmm. because I have like toxic people yeah you I've realized that there are it. toxic people in my life who are always going to be in my life mm-hmm. um for the most part and there are some people who I also know are toxic in my life that I simply won't cut out for certain reasons but I've also realized that those people don't need to be be a part of my circle, my one inch card, my one by one card, like Megan talked about that those people can be in my outer circle and I can still have them as a part of my life, but they don't need to know everything. They don't need to hear everything. And that's not to push them away. That is to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And in the way that it's not protecting myself from speaking my truth, but it's protecting myself so I can live my truth. And I think it comes back to like, yoga on and off the mat. Yes. Uh, it's a balance sort of thing too. It's like finding that balance and like, and you're not going to get it right, right away. Like if you start telling yourself like, oh, I'm going to like suddenly like kind of start like maybe protecting like myself or being very aware of that sort of thing. Like you're going to, to find those boundaries, I guess, to find those, like those people for your one inch square, just to find, I think boundaries was the word I wanted to use, but to, like to find those boundaries, you're going to push it a little bit and be like, what if I try the, oh, that was way too far, retract, retract. <laughs> or like maybe it's like, oh, that didn't quite feel like it was deep enough. So the next time you try a little more, I think it's like playing with like who you share with or like starting with something small and like finding that that balance. Like just like we do in yoga, it's like finding that just like balance in life of what feels good to you and what helps you live in like the best way that you can. That's really good advice. That's and amazing. you have to be reflective. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's just reflecting on what does feel good or what, like, if something doesn't work for you, like, sounds so simple, but think about it and mm-hmm. just take a step back and assess what went wrong, what went right. If you find yourself, are. like, in a puddle of tears somewhere after something happens, you're like, this is me, by the way. Like, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. push the boundary too far and all of a sudden scenario. I'm like... Yeah a little like puddle of emotional goo somewhere and I'm like why is this happening to me (laughs) (laughs) like rather than just sit there in my emotional gooiness like to take a second to really just think about it it's like Mm -hmm. well what makes me feel like what am I feeling like what is like the feeling naming the feeling feeling the feeling and acknowledging what I can do so I don't end up gooey again yes so and using myself as like a case study So everything that we're talking about, like the very like negative self-talk, that is um, something I definitely knew all my life. I was always like the chunky girl. Like I would always just say all these horrible things to me. And they weren't even true. Like it was all just um, things that I thought I was supposed to think about myself because that's what society says. And... um, so it was a practice of becoming more self-aware, like, okay, why do I think these things? Why do I believe these things to be true? And so it was like, this word might not resonate with you, but experiment. So you experiment like, okay, how is this improving my life or is it detracting from my life? Okay, hardcore detract. Let's not do that again. Um, so you can look at it as an experiment. You can look at it as a self-reflection. You can look at it, um, you know, whatever word resonates with you. Um, But yeah, so coming from that uh, place where 
was a lot of negative self-talk. It was, um, yoga of course was a big component of getting away from that because like we said, it was yoga on and off the mat. So it was me learning to focus on what I was doing and not like our, like we're all teachers. We say it, um, my teacher says it, um, don't worry about what anyone else in the room is doing. And so I started to use that everywhere. So in my work, in my family, in my friend groups, like anyone, it's just like, okay, I just worry about what I'm doing. And if what I'm doing does not have good intention behind it, then I shouldn't do it. But I know deep down that it is good intention. So I'm doing me, you do you, and then it's all going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, and that, God, I'm like full of like the so-and-so says, like I'm going to throw another one out there. Do it. it. Throw it. Like when you're talking about the experiment part of it, like, uh, I can't remember where I heard her say this, but like in something I was listening to with like Elizabeth Gilbert, mm, uh, another her. queen, another yes, queen, love yes. her. Uh, she talked about I think it was an interview about like her book Big Magic. Here I am referencing books again. Also, another this book will all be in our show notes. Oh yeah, if you have not read Big Magic, please read. That it. is oh the one God. book please I will always it. tell you to read. Like all of these books we talk about, yes, I love them and everything, but Big Magic will literally change your friggin' life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, Megan. No, you're good, <laughs> but. Uh, but in somewhere along there, she was talking about how, like, we're all so programmed to, like, to hear these things or to say these things or to think these things. And, like, the way that, like, helps her to really just, like, take that step back is, like, addressing it with, like, oh, isn't that interesting? Like, no judgment mm. there. There's no, like, oh, I'm so bad for thinking that, like, oh, I can't believe, like, or, oh, like, I don't know. There's no positive or negative association with it. There's no, like, d- this defines who I am. It's just isn't that interesting? Like, where did that come from? And then kind of just, like, finding that curiosity's point from there, kind of like you were talking with the experiments and, like, Mm -hmm. things like that. But I just loved that part of it instead, and I've been trying to kind of incorporate that a little bit. Like, oh, isn't that interesting? Because that helps take some of the shame out of it, too. Yes. Mm Because, like, shame can be so incredibly powerful. So you think, oh, my gosh, I have all this shame for something I said or I did, or, like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Um, instead of looking at it like that, you think, okay, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? And yeah, like you were saying, just reflect on it from that mindset. Yeah. I love that. And this brings up um, another Sanskrit word um, from that same limb of yoga is ahimsa, which is nonviolence. And I think that shame is a sort of violence that we can have with ourselves. 100% guilt. Shame Shame. leads to guilt. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, I mean, we've talked a lot about how not being truthful can hurt you. And what you'll learn as we continue to talk about these limbs of yoga is the, and specifically the yamas and the niyamas is that they are so interconnected. Um, I remember when I first read uh, Deborah Adele's book I was like I can just think of how this connected to the chapter before and the chapter before that and before that and it just continued to build upon each other and uh, was just threaded together so intricately and I, I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing about yoga is that it is not in uh, a nice and neat little box uh, no. everything everything connects and so you know, obviously we're talking about how this connects to our daily lives, the things that we think about, the struggles that we have. And I don't know, just that negative self-talk, the guilt, <laughs> the the stress that we put on ourselves because we are feeling maybe guilty about a situation. So I think, you know, that sounds kind of like what you're talking about with just taking a step back from a situation and thinking, so that happened. How? Mm-hmm. Why? Why did that yeah, happen? Stopping, stopping the that's running. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you bring up shame and guilt because I, like I've talked about in previous episodes, had my daughter eight weeks early at 32 weeks, which is extremely young. And I had a lot of shame. I ran the list of, did I work out too hard? Did I do a yoga pose wrong? This wasn't a mystery of why it happened. I mean, I literally put the blame on myself when the doctor literally set me down. I mean, I was talking about when you hear something and you don't apply it, set me down. It was like, Gina, this is not your fault. Do not go home and start running the list of why this is your fault. And I was like, no, I know this happens. It's crazy. We'll never know. And the minute I hit my front door, I was like, this is why. And I started running that list and there's no 
specific cause for postpartum depression, but I think that list was a player in my postpartum depression. And when I step on my yoga mat, one of the first things that really stuck with me that the instructors kept saying was find that balance between ease and effort. And I've, that has stuck with me ever since the first time I had a yoga instructor tell me that you have to find that balance, like what Megan and Jordan and Lindsay are all talking about between ease and effort, that it's not always going to be one and it's not always going to be the other, but you're always going to have that tug of war between ease and effort. And with the yamas and the niyamas, I feel like that is the prime example of that tug of war. There's always going to be that negative thought that creeps in, but how Is it going to be an easy thought that creeps in or how much effort are you going to have to pull to take it out? And I think along the lines of just discovering myself in my yoga practice, I realized that I had a lot of guilt and some days I still do have that guilt um, because I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I own my own yoga studio and I have that guilt that creeps in of you know, should I be spending more time with Alice? Should I spend less time on my yoga practice? Should I do this? Should I do that? Maybe I should spend more time with Bryce and less time planning my classes. And I got very negative about two weeks ago and I had a huge mental breakdown on my yoga mat. I was crying and I was like, good God, pull it together. And I realized that I had all of this shame and guilt for something that literally fulfills me more than anything else in this life does. And that's my yoga practice. I love my daughter. I love my husband. And I realized just crying on my mat that I am a better wife because I practice yoga. I am a better mom because I practice yoga. And that guilt that I felt from being on my practice and taking time out for myself is complete and total bullshit. Because if I hadn't taken the time out and if I continue not to, take the time out, it's going to deter me from being my authentic, truthful self and practicing that truthfulness if I stop practicing yoga. And I was like, this is Mm. bullshit. Get out of your own head. Get onto your mat. Stop thinking and just flow. Because I think it's just 100% true. I use yoga as my outlet, but yoga is so intricately woven into every aspect of my life at this point, whether it's just the physical practice or it's the yamas and the niyamas or if it's just a whole philosophy that I don't think I'd ever stop practicing because yoga has allowed me to be who I am and has allowed me to grow into who I am so I think shame and guilt are very valid emotions but I think you can waller in shame or guilt or you can use them for growth and that choice is yours and how you go about that is that balance between ease and effort and without some of these things that we've learned and talked about, I I wonder if there are certain things I may ha- not have ever realized about myself or certain situations that I wouldn't have looked at in the same way. So it's not that my life is easier <laughs> because of yoga. Well, I mean, that's not really true. I mean, like, uh, bad stuff still happens, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, negative doesn't go away just because, like, we do yoga and we learn about the philosophy does not become rainbows and unicorns yeah. just because you step on a yoga mat <laughs> it just helps it, it, it damn it it allows us <laughs> to give perspective yeah <laughs> and I think Gina a lot of women who are mothers are probably made to feel that way I'm not a mother so um I can't speak for that but that I think stigma's that, definitely there yeah I mean having to choose we I think first of all we're told that we can in fact have it all but society doesn't allow that to happen because it's so hard to have quote unquote it all you know to be it a does full-time not career person to be a full-time wife to be a full-time mother like somebody's always going to be like you're not spending enough time in this part of your life um and i the know it does not exist the limit does not exist. <laughs> another mean, girl's reference. mean girl's reference yes. yes and though i can't speak um from the perspective of being a mom i know that in the world of education for all teachers we are made to feel guilty about leaving our jobs uh i left a job at in another district um about a year ago 
and I hated that I had to leave my students. It was not my students. It was that they were not the reason that I left. And it was so hard because I felt like I was judged by other teachers in the building. I felt like I was judged by some of my administrators. Um, I, my kids were actually super understanding. Um, a couple of them were pretty mad at me, but um, <laughs> the it, it was it wasn't coming from a place of like you, uh, I don't know. It it wasn't coming from a place of like, you're, uh, not, you're, you're doing something that's good for you. It was coming from a place of like making me try, trying to make me feel guilty, um, was overwhelmingly kind of like the response that I got. And that just, that was really hurtful to leave that. And I think that teachers who leave education completely, like totally quit teaching and do another career society treats them and their you know their school system other educators I think that there's an underlying stigma making us feel like we're abandoning the kids like you're one of the good things that they have in their life and I mean just recently um the teachers in Kentucky who were protesting um for higher wages and for more funding for their schools their governor came out and said, because you were out here protesting something along the lines of, and this is not a direct quote, but something along the lines of, look at all the kids who have been abused at home and they've been sexually assaulted at home because you were out here protesting. It was seriously the most sickening thing. And that is the governor of the state. And so if it's coming from this place of something higher up, and so I, I think that there, what I'm trying to say in a really roundabout way is that, yeah, that there are aspects in other fa- in facets in our lives, groups of people who really are out to get us all the time. And yoga doesn't fix that. Yoga has not just made that all go away for me, but it has helped me understand like, okay, so um, because I was in the middle of yoga teacher training when I decided to leave my first teaching job because I was so unhappy and it helped me to speak my truth. And I think I probably talked about that on the first day because I was still deciding what to do. And um, it's helped me to understand that that's something that I have to do for myself and not to feel bad about it. So yeah, it didn't make that go away. It didn't make what people thought about me or my decisions go away. It just helped make it a little bit easier to make the decision because I knew that it was my truth. I knew that it was best for me. So boom. So I think that brings it kind of full circle with everything you were talking about, how earlier we were saying, instead of responding it's, it's changing how we respond to something. How, who said it? Someone said it better than me. It's like you're not responding. You're proactively mm-hmm. reflecting. Mm-hmm. You you can choose to be the victim or you can choose to be the survivor. That works too. Out of the same situation. <laughs> you can choose to say, oh my gosh, I'm in this situation. It's so sad. You know, I'm going to waller in self-pity. What have I done? How are we going to get through this? Or you can go, okay, we're going to get through this. And you can set out a game plan and you can work on it. And I think that that's kind of the whole theme of this episode almost is your mindset because for all of us what I'm gathering from what each of us are saying is yoga has changed our perspective on life Mm -hmm. and because our perspective has changed we have literally changed how we live our lives and nothing everything's still the same everything is literally still the same yoga is not a cure-all but because we are wearing green glasses now silly metaphor instead of the blue glasses we were wearing before because we have a different perspective everything's still the same but we see it in a different light therefore we react to it in a different way are they green glasses because we're eco-friendly yes <laughs> i was trying to figure that out i was like hey, where did the green come from? <laughs> aren't they rose colored glasses <laughs> uh, i, I like get them out of better yeah. <laughs> but i can i think i can speak for all of us when we say as yoga teachers, I've heard every single one of us say this when we taught in yoga teacher training, and I'm sure we all say this at some point in time during our classes, is we talk about dropping our ego and we talk to our students about changing their mindset and bringing more awareness. And sometimes that's breath work, sometimes that's meditation, sometimes it's a really hard pose and just bringing better alignment. But yoga is a huge mindset shift. It's a huge perspective shift. And everything is controlled by your mindset. Not controlled by what happens to you, but controlled by your mindset. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Megan had asked specifically earlier about some actual actionable items that you yes. can take away from this um, 
really kind of all over the place, but super awesome episode that we just recorded because we kind of just decided this, we were literally talking about all this stuff earlier and we we're like, we should just be recording because I think people would really resonate with it. So we did. Um, so we have three things that you can take away. Um, they can really start using to curate a more, uh, mindful, uh, outlook on life. Um, as you're going through, whether it's yoga or it's in your work or in your families, whatever it is. So first and foremost, um, building up your tribe of it, an encouraging community that you can call on. Amen. Yeah. And so obviously we talk about that a lot, like that we are each other's tribes. Um, but then we have tribes in other areas of our lives too. Um, so finding those people that can be on your one inch card that you can go to for what you need to. And they can also call you out like bitch, <laughs> you got to do something about this, That's right? That's one of the best parts about a tribe is they're not just going, woo, yay, wonderful. They're like, listen, you're being ridiculous. We're going to work on it. Or maybe not ridiculous because these feelings are valid. Yeah, they are valid. But it is like, it is, yeah, it's the mindset shift. So it's sometimes mm-hmm. we need to be re- to re- be reminded and encouraged to shift our mindset a little bit. So, and even if you maybe don't have someone actually in person the internet is a really cool thing. So get on there and um, start curating really inspiring Instagram feeds. That's a, That was a second one. Um, and that seems shallow and surfacy, but it's not because what you put into your mind, you put out. So find those really inspiring people. You can look at the people that we follow at Flyover Yugas on Instagram because all we want in our feed is really inspiring people that are going to lift us up. So that is another one that we really like. If you don't have Instagram, you can use Facebook, but uh-huh. <laughs> Facebook's all ads anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally the last one, um, is a gratitude journal. So mm. maybe you don't want to say, Oh, I'm going to do gratitude, gratitude journal every day. Um, and that's totally okay. If you want to start with maybe once a week or maybe once every week, but just find a routine that works for you. Um, because when you are consciously and consistently reminding yourself and bringing to the forefront of your mind, those things that you are grateful for, it's just going to automatically put you in a better mindset, um, to receive the things that you're maybe not as obviously grateful for, but maybe you'll be grateful for later because of what you learned from it. So (laughs) some of us have gratitude journals and we can include some pictures in our show notes to give you some examples as well. And also if you have Instagram, if you just use the hashtag, you'll find some awesome examples too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Attitude of gratitude. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and close out this episode. Thank you all for listening in. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email us at hello at flyoveryogispodcast.com. Again, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at flyoveryogis. And we'd love to hear from you and see some of the stuff that you're grateful for in your life right now. We'd also love for you to give us a review on iTunes. So if you enjoy the podcast, go over to iTunes, give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. Namaste. Namaste.